and then go to the beach. The first and most important part of the book will survey the awesome body of theory and data relevant to everyday investing. Don't be daunted by this. My primary mission is to present this information in terms that you will find both understandable and entertaining. We'll learn that whether you invest in stocks, bonds, or for that matter real estate or any other kind of capital asset, you are rewarded mainly for your exposure to one thing. It's risk. We'll learn just how to measure that risk and explore the interplay of risk and investment return. Over the long haul, it is not that hard to measure the probable return of different kinds of stocks and bonds. Yet even well-respected experts usually manage to do a bad job of this. Almost all the differences in the performances of money managers can be ascribed to luck and not to skill. You are most certainly not rewarded for trying to pick the best-performing stocks, mutual funds, stockbrokers, or hedge funds. The biggest risk of all is failing to diversify properly. It's the behavior of your portfolio as a whole, and not the assets in it, that matters most. We'll also learn that a portfolio can behave in ways radically different than its component parts, and that this can be used to your advantage. The science of mixing different asset classes into an effective blend is called portfolio theory and occupies center court in the grand tournament of investing. Pillar 2. History It is a fact that, from time to time, the markets and investing public go barking mad. Of course, the madness is obvious only in retrospect. But a study of previous manias and crashes will give you at least a fighting chance of recognizing when asset prices have become absurdly expensive and risky, and when they have become too depressed and cheap to pass up. The simplest way of separating managers who would be suckered into the dot-com mania from those who would not would be to administer a brief quiz on the 1929 crash. Finance, unfortunately, is not a hard science. It is instead a social science— the difference is this. A bridge, electrical circuit, or aircraft should always respond in exactly the same way to a given set of circumstances. What separates the hard sciences of physics, engineering, electronics, or aeronautics from the social sciences is that in finance, or sociology, politics, and education, apparently similar systems will behave very differently over time. Put a different way, a physician, physicist, or chemist who is unaware of their discipline's history does not suffer greatly from the lack thereof. The investor who is unaware of financial history is irretrievably handicapped. For this reason, an understanding of financial history provides an additional dimension of expertise. In this section, we'll study the history of finance through the widest possible lens by examining... Just what the centuries of recorded financial history tell us about the short-term and long-term behavior of various financial assets. How, from time to time, the investing public becomes almost psychotically euphoric, and at other times, toxically depressed. How modern investment technology has exposed investors to new risks. Pillar 3. Psychology 
Most of what we fondly call human nature becomes a deadly quicksand of maladaptive behavior when allowed to roam free in the investment arena. A small example, people tend to be attracted to financial choices that carry low probabilities of high payoffs, in spite of the fact that the average payoff of a lottery ticket is only 50 cents on the dollar, millions invest in it. While this is a relatively minor foible for most, it becomes far more menacing as an investment strategy. One of the quickest ways to the poorhouse is to make finding the next Microsoft your primary investing goal. Only recently have academics and practitioners begun the serious study of how the individual investor's state of mind affects his or her decision-making. We'll survey the fascinating area of behavioral finance. You'll learn how to avoid the most common behavioral mistakes and to confront your own dysfunctional investment behavior. You will find out, for example, that most investors tend to become grossly overconfident, systematically pay too much for certain classes of stocks, trade too much at great cost, regularly make irrational buy-and-sell decisions. Pillar 4. Business Investors tend to be touchingly naive about stockbrokers and mutual fund companies. Brokers are not your friends, and the interests of the fund companies are highly divergent from yours. You are, in fact, locked in a financial life-and-death struggle with the investment industry, Losing that battle puts you at increased risk of running short of assets far sooner than you'd like. The more you know about the industry's priorities and how it operates, the more likely it is that you will be able to thwart it. The brokerage and mutual fund businesses form a financial colossus that bestrides modern financial and increasingly social and political life. If you doubt this, just turn on your television and time the interval between advertisements for financial services. In the book's penultimate section, then, we'll examine how the modern financial services industry is designed solely to serve itself, and how it exists almost entirely for one purpose, the extraction of fees and commissions from the investing public, and that, in fact, we are all locked in a constant zero-sum battle with this behemoth, operates at a level of educational, moral, and ethical imperatives that would be inconceivable in any other profession. A small example, by law, bankers, lawyers, and accountants all have a fiduciary responsibility towards their clients. Not so stockbrokers. Only after you've mastered these four areas can you formulate an overall investment strategy, only after you've formulated a program that focuses on asset classes and the behavior of asset class mixtures will you have any chance for overall success. A deficiency in any of the four pillars will torpedo this program with brutal dispatch. Here are a couple of examples of how a failure to master the four pillars can bring grief to even the most sophisticated investors. Big-time players... The principles of long-term capital management, the firm that in 1998 almost single-handedly crippled the world financial system with their highly leveraged speculation, had no trouble with Pillar 1, investment theory, as they were in many cases its Nobel Prize-winning inventors. Their appreciation of Pillars 3 and 4, 
psychology, and the investment business, was also top drawer. Unfortunately, despite their corporate name, none of them had a working knowledge of Pillar 2, the long-term history of the capital markets. Focusing narrowly on only several years of financial data, they forgot the fact that occasionally markets come completely off the rails, often in ways never before seen. A working knowledge of Western financial history would have warned them that their investment strategy carried with it the near certainty of self-destruction. Small investors. On the other hand, the average investor most often comes to grief because of deficiencies in pillars one and three, theory and psychology. They usually fail to understand the everyday working relationship between risk and reward, and routinely fail to stay the course when things get rough. The above two examples are caricatures. The failure modes of individual investors are as varied as their personalities. In this tome, I want to provide you with these invaluable tools, the four pillars, to avoid the kinds of failures I've listed above. I also want to expose you to the wondrous clockwork and history of the capital markets, which are deserving of attention in their own right. Arguably, the most substantive domestic issue facing the Republic is the fate of Social Security, with privatization the most frequently mentioned option. For the first time in history, a familiarity with the behavior of the financial markets has become a prerequisite for competent citizenship, apart from its obvious pecuniary value. Using the Four Pillars In the book's last section, we'll show how mastery of the Four Pillars can result in a coherent strategy that will enable you to accomplish investing's